When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew right here on maizeandbrew.com. I am Vaughn Lozon and joining me, as always, my two lovely co-hosts, John Simmons, Stephen Ostentoski. Boys, it's a lovely day in my neighborhood. John, how is it over in New York City? Pretty good. Still not New York City, though. <laughs> well, I, I always just say New York City, even though it's <laughs> the on, state of New York. New, yeah, the, the entire an upstate, you know, always the, being compared. The entire state of New York is New York City to me. I've, I've never been to New York, have no plans this summer to go to New York. But uh, anyways, I'm I'm glad it's good in yeah. the state of New York. I'm glad glad it's good over there. Stephen. How is it over in Metro Detroit land for you? Not too far from me. It does not smell like New York. The last time I was in New York, I was uh, interviewing at at a tech company and um, it was like middle of February, like five degrees outside. And it just smelled like trash because that's just where they put it out on the street. So, wow. No offense to you, John, but um, <laughs> that's why that's why you have to make the distinction. You know, it smells nice up here. We have trees and nature. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm not. Thankfully, that won't be spoiled. That New York experience won't be spoiled by my previous one. But it doesn't smell like that over here. So at least I I have that. I can't complain. That's <laughs> that's where I'm at today. <laughs> I can see why John was offended now because, uh, like I said, I've never been to New York. Never experienced that. So. With that said, um, apologies, Mr. Simmons. Um, I, I will do my very best to not make that mistake in the future when addressing uh, the entire state of New York. So, uh, yeah, it's great in my neighborhood. Lovely day. It's supposed to be a great week. And uh, it, it's been an interesting week, to say the least, for Michigan football recruiting. So let's hop into that because uh, there's a, <laughs> really a lot going on and uh, a, a short amount of time to break it all down. So we'll, we'll go as quickly as we can here. So let's just begin the podcast today uh, with the news of the de- decommitment from uh, 22 or 2022 in-state three-star defensive lineman, Devontae Miles. Uh, he's from River Rouge, a D lineman. He's been committed to Michigan since December. 
and uh, last week decided to reopen his recruitment. And uh, since then, Alan Triu of 24-7 Sports already placed a crystal ball for him to wind up at Indiana to play for Tom Allen and the Hoosiers. So interesting development there. John, I just want to turn it right over to you because there hasn't really been a whole lot said in this recruitment period, but you could kind of tell that the winds of change were kind of around here that he was going to at the very least explore other options when the new defensive coaches came to town. Is that really what you think uh, led to this decommitment? Uh, You know, kind of just the number one spot there. And where do you think that they turn to next when it comes to D line recruiting? Yeah, I think it was pretty clear that the staff uh, wanted to reevaluate him once they got hired here. Um, you know, they told him to reshape his body. He, I think he actually did make some good progress there. But to me, it seems like they gave him the deadline of sending out the official offers on August 1st. And uh, I think they told him they weren't going to do that. So he decommitted. Um, looks like he'll end up at another Big Ten program, which is good for him. I think he would definitely do well at a at a program like Indiana. Um, but I think that, you know, you look at the guys they had on campus for the barbecue at the big house this weekend. I think that kind of is basically their whole D-line board besides Walter Nolan. Um, but behind him, you know, Kenneth Grant was there, who's from Indiana. Um, he's a big time Michigan target. And uh, after the visit, he said he's going to be committing uh, in a week, he said. So that's always good when, you know, a guy takes a visit and then he has an announcement date right after. So I think that's a pretty good sign. They're battling Wisconsin and Ohio State there. Those are the two schools in his top three. Uh, but I think uh, if he does actually end up committing later this week, then I think it'll be Michigan. Yeah. I mean, it, it like you said, it's always great news when a kid coming off a visit tells uh, the media pretty much that he's going to be announcing his decision sooner rather than later, a couple days, perhaps a week. I mean, who knows the specifics at this point other than Kenneth Grant, but it's always great news to hear that, especially a guy that they've been going after for a while and has a top three of Michigan, Ohio state and Wisconsin to uh, two other great programs within the big 10. So if Michigan's able to uh, defeat those uh, big 10 programs for his commitment, that goes a long way in my book when it comes to, not only just filling the gap of the miles decommitment, um, but also filling a great position of need and beating out some of your uh, in-conference rivals in order to do so. Uh, Steven, I want to turn it over to you now. And obviously Grant is another big target here uh, for Sean Nua, Jim Harbaugh, all those guys. I wanted to get your reaction as well from the Devontae Miles uh, decommitment. So I'll, I'll ask that of you, but also just uh, some of the other guys that uh, you think that Michigan should go after. Obviously, Walter Nolan is priority number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It, the list goes on and on. You'll want that guy to commit as soon as possible. And he's the tip top target, uh, in my opinion. But uh Obviously, Grant being another one that we just talked about, but another guy uh, that could be a sneaky under the radar uh, top target for Michigan is Isaiah Hastings, the uh, 6'4", 290-pounder from uh, Clearwater, Florida. He's a three-star prospect at this point, uh, but he recently got offered 
by Michigan. It was about a month ago that he got that offer. And since then, uh, has picked up Oregon, has picked up Florida, uh, Miami. Uh, the Hurricanes offered him. Missouri offered him. So he's starting to get some really good offers now and, and hasn't played high school football in the States yet. He's from Canada. So his senior season is really going to be an indicator of how far the progress has come uh, from Canada and the camps uh, this summer. Uh, but I, I think he could be another a target as well. So uh, long-winded as a section over for me, I'll ta- uh, pass it over to you, Stephen, with all of that in mind. Yeah, I'll start with Walter Nolan. I'm not going to talk about the guy unless I see some actual tea leaves um, putting Michigan in, in real contention there. I think, Fair our, enough. I think our consensus there was if it's going to be outside of the SEC, it's probably going to be Michigan. But the rarity of those high-fly guys getting out of SEC country is is – um, very rare, very rare that you see that. So I don't want to go back and watch his film and try to get my hopes up. So I've kind of, uh, stayed away. And, um, you know, if, if a horseshoe is thrown our way and and Michigan somehow gets the, I don't even know horseshoe terms, but anyway, if luck (laughs) goes Michigan's way and things are looking differently, um, then I'll take it as a sign to, to enter, to dip my toe into the, uh, Walter Nolan discussion, but that's where I'm at with that. I'm uh, not optimistic, but obviously you're right. Uh, priority number one through 10 is him. Um, but I mean, Hastings and Grant, you know, when you have a guy like Grant say after a visit that Michigan felt like home, uh, that's about the best you can, you can get, you know, he, he brought his mom for the barbecue mentioned the strong relationships he's built with Sean Nua. Um, and I think, when it stands out that they're not talking about football much and just kind of casual conversation with the coaches, that means that um, Michigan's probably already established a really, really good standing with him on what they'll do with his football skills and, and where he'll fit with the defense. So this felt more like a visit for the parents and to get the family on board and to really make sure it was a good cultural fit And it sounds like Michigan checked a lot of boxes there. So as you guys mentioned, having a guy say he's going to commit in a week or two after his last visit, you know, when you combine all those things, it's, it's really hard to say anything but positive things for Michigan again, never say never, but, um, you, you know, my love for, for nose tackles. So when you get a six, four, 335 guy with offers from Ohio state and Wisconsin, my, uh, my eyeballs are, are popping outside of my head with excitement in terms of getting that guy on board. So um, most excited for him in terms of like Devonte miles. Um, it's always tough with those guys, right? Because obviously he's a lower three-star just inside the top thousand overall um, on the composite. So it's, it's possible Michigan reevaluated their board with guys like Grant and Hastings looking like real possibilities. Um it's possible the relationship cooled uh, from both sides or just Indiana um, showed him more attention than Michigan did. Any one of those factors could have led to uh, the situation where he did decommit. Um, and, you know, it, at this point, it kind of is what it is. I think the other guys, you know, as, as uh, we talked about Grant and, and Hastings, you know, I think is a very similarly sized guy as Devonte Miles. Um you know, looking like he'll probably be a nose given Hastings is six four two ninety. Miles was already at 275 or so. So it was kind of looking like um, they're, they're very similar prospects. And um, final thing I'll say is just Hastings 
uh, you mentioned uh, coming from Canada, his, his game film didn't really uh, show that much to me. And I was a little bit uh, skeptical of his skill set until I saw his camp film. So I think it, it truly does make sense. You go to Hastings and his uh, offer list, you mentioned he uh, got the offer from Miami, uh, Oregon just recently, um, Florida the other day. And it, I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that he's visiting these programs and then they're offering like right away or, you know, they're, they're, they're finding this camp film and like, wow, this guy can really go. So I think that his trajectory, I think it just makes sense comparing that with the trajectory that miles was on. Um, why Hastings probably is higher on Michigan's board at this point. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I like those two guys, Hastings and, uh, and Kenneth Grant, and it's just, uh, a wait and see on Walter Nolan. Nolan's a guy you'll take regardless of what those other two names do. Um, but if you can get Grant and Hastings, I, I, I feel pretty confident about Michigan's future at the nose tackle position. Yeah, no doubt. And I think I agree. I, Walter Nolan is certainly one of those prospects that you kind of just shove other guys out of the way to make room for him, even though they, you know, quote unquote, don't have room for anybody else. You make room for Walter Nolan, regardless. He's, the uh, he's a he's a top five prospect for a reason and uh any program would 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 make room for him and yeah it's it's an interesting conversation with guys like Hastings who have really blossomed in the camp setting obviously camp settings are much different than actual in-game experiences so I mean with you Steven saying that the game film was a, a little subpar but the camp film was you know exponentially better it's going to be really interesting to see if that camp film really translates to game film in the united states and with him playing in a uh, high school football uh, state like florida you would hope that you would imagine that he's probably playing against top competition uh in the state of florida so it's going to be really interesting to see if he is able to keep progressing, keep progressing and, and increase in the offer sheet here. Cause yeah, Florida recently, just the other day, Oregon, Miami and Missouri offered recently as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see with him and with some of these other camp circuit guys that have really emerged this, uh, this summer, uh, see if uh, it translates to the field uh, for their senior seasons. And we'll certainly have to wait and see on all that, but yeah, D line recruiting, very fluid situation here in this 22 cycle. And it's going to continue to be so for probably a really long time. Cause I don't see Nolan committing anytime soon. Uh, obviously Grant is going to be committing tentatively in the next uh, few days or week or whatever. And uh, we'll, we'll see about uh, some of these other prospects like Hastings as well. So, uh, let's let's move on. Also on defense, an, another interesting uh, discussion here <laughs> to be had. So let's shift gears and uh, talk about uh, something that happened just over the weekend. And uh, man, I, I don't know where to go with this, but 22 three star linebacker Jeremy Patton. Uh, all the crystal balls were in for Michigan uh, re- leading up to this decision. And then it was a last second flip uh, that had all the crystal balls going to Baylor. That's where he ended up committing uh, over Michigan and Texas, who were his other final three candidates there uh, for his commitment. So uh, it was really interesting because he was supposed to commit at around like five o'clock Eastern time. And then on Twitter, he posted just leading up to that, that uh, he had a change of plans and uh, that's, 
pretty much what effectively ended any shot Michigan had in getting uh, his commitment. And then all of a sudden, uh, all the crystal balls for another top target of Michigan's uh, ended up flipping as well. And that was a three-star wide receiver, Dylan Bell. And uh, all of the wide, uh, all of the crystal balls went uh, from Michigan to Georgia in a matter of days uh, following uh, his visit uh, to Georgia unofficially uh, just over the weekend as well. So uh, things, John, I'm just going to turn it over to you because things happen very quickly uh, in the state of recruiting and it's not for the faint of heart. Michigan missed out on two top targets, just flat out. I mean, it's an L for uh, Dylan Bell and it's an L uh, for Jeremy Patton, uh, two of their top targets. Um, It just kind of just leaves you scratching your head, John, because it's like, what the hell happened? I mean, everything seemed uh, to be going well in both of these recruitments. All the crystal balls were were for Michigan and uh, they missed out on both of them. So uh, what I want to ask you specifically, John, other than, you know, what happened with these recruitments is do you expect Michigan to continue recruiting these guys at this point? Because, I mean, especially with Patton, it seemed like it was a, a real big headache. Uh, for all three programs, honestly, it, it seemed like he was a, a a silent commit to all three programs at one point and now verbally committed to Baylor. Uh, so do you expect Michigan to continue recruiting these two guys now that they're committed elsewhere? Yeah, the Baylor, the stuff with Patton, uh, you know, I was bummed that everything flipped at the last second, but then those reports about him giving silent commits to all three schools made me kind of glad that Michigan wasn't we committed to to begin with because I think if he had he still would have ended up elsewhere layered in the cycle I just think he was kind of reserving a spot and hadn't really made a final decision yet so I think Michigan could still keep recruiting him and have a shot I don't know if they're burned by how it all went down though so uh, I think it just depends on the attitude of the staff uh the bell one I think just hurts more because Michigan you know did a really good job identifying him early he was a lower ranked kid didn't have a ton of offers yet um you know they see him blow up at a camp start recruiting him as a receiver instead of a running back and then you know to get him on campus for the victors weekend it seems like he was a silent commit um for a while you know he had a lot of positive michigan stuff to say and then he just takes a recruiting trip to georgia and then it's basically all locked up from there and it just kind of speaks to the hierarchy of college football right now where there's just a tier of you know true uh elite recruiters you know the ohio states alabamas and i would consider georgia up there given their last few classes even though they haven't really uh translated it to the field yet but it just you know there's not much you can do when one of those big schools comes after your guy you know you can win a guy like daxon hill every once in a while but uh to get to have dylan bell just snatched out from under you it just uh it just is a tough pill to swallow It certainly is, especially considering that Michigan was also interested in his younger brother, who is a a 2023 cornerback prospect who isn't ranked right now. But with the offers that he has, I mean, he's got Michigan, he's got Florida, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, uh, a few other uh, high academic programs in there as well. a real tough pill to swallow because I, you would imagine that it would assist in that recruitment as well, especially if he's going to be a, a high ranked prospect, which it certainly does look like that is going to be the case. So I agree. I think missing out on Dylan Bell is huge because 
it, it really seemed like he was the last top prospect that they had on the board at wide receiver and not like wide receiver is a huge position of need by any means, but they certainly want to add another one. And Dylan Bell was certainly a good candidate. Like you said, John, they identified him early in the process as a very versatile offensive player. They were originally recruiting him at the running back position. Uh, Just this past season alone had 607 yards and 18 rushing touchdowns and then added two more touchdowns uh, through the air, 350 receiving yards on 24 catches. So a, a versatile prospect, 6'2", 205, is a Houston, Texas native playing against good competition in the state of Texas. To have it all flip over to Georgia is certainly a tough pill to swallow, like you said. Um, it, it, they're just going to have to move right on, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they keep recruiting these guys. I, I think they will at the end of the day just because – these anything can be uh, achievable in uh, football recruiting. Uh, I mean, late flips, uh, decommitments, these all happen like we've seen within the past week alone. And I, I would expect them to probably keep going after these guys. And um, especially with the options kind of running low at both linebacker and wide receiver, which is kind of what I wanted to transition to you, Stephen, is uh, specifically at linebacker, because I think they're kind of, kind of set at wide receiver. I don't think it's a huge deal, but linebacker is one of those positions that they've really been trying to hit hard, Stephen. And we've talked about Deuce Spurlock on the podcast when he was initially offered uh, back in June when he uh, showed up at a a couple camps and uh, uh, really blew the uh, coaching staff away. And, uh, you know, we we thought that there was some potential there. Uh, Do you think that he should be the top priority moving forward, Stephen, at this linebacker position, inside linebacker specifically, or do you think there are any other guys that they should uh, specifically hone in on? Or I I don't know, maybe they just end up waiting until senior seasons play out and then evaluate some new options at that point, which I certainly wouldn't rule out. What say you, Mr. Ossentoski? Yeah, I think you're right. That's probably the target to go after. I was actually taking a look at Michigan's current offers at linebacker. Um, he was cast, I mean, Michigan's casting a really wide net of the 2022 offers that Michigan has out there. Um, 42 are out to linebackers, um, which is only second of positions that they've extended offers to defensive line. If you're interested, 52 offers out to those. So uh, it's clear that they're casting a really wide net. Now, most of those, I didn't do an exact count, but I'd say at least 30 of those, 42 offers are now committed. Um, so it, it's, it's really tough. I think linebacker especially is one where um, I would expect more athletes uh, under that designation to be the target than, than true linebackers. Um, so I don't know. It, it's an area that uh, I honestly need to look into more, um, but uh, I just don't think there's a lot of clarity and, it's one of the positions that I feel like it's, it's closing fast where you have a couple guys like Kevante Henry, who's technically a linebacker, but he's um, one of the more surefire edge prospects. And then it's Micah Pollard. So ideally you need, uh, I think at least two guys that will be um, kind of more suited for like a, a Mike Barrett size of linebacker. And those are typically more of the like athlete designated guys out of high school that will eventually grow into linebacker where Micah Pollard um, 
you know, reminds you more of like a, a bigger thumper, um, sort of linebacker. So, so it's, it's a wide net Michigan's, uh, casting and probably, especially with where I feel the depth chart is at the linebacker position, I think it's now the area of most concern for me. Now that defensive line appears to have a little bit more, um, uh, more solidified targets at this point. Yeah, I would agree. And especially we, we, we talked about D line earlier. I, I don't want to uh, dismiss Dion Walker either. I, I, I think we kind of all assume that he's just a silent commit at this point. He's not actually committed the uh, four-star defensive tackle in state from Cass tech, uh, obviously still a uh, uncommitted a quote unquote prospect, but uh, I, I don't think that there's anything to worry about, even though he got that Alabama offer recently, but I agree. I think linebacker is going to be a huge position of need moving forward, not just with this class, but the, the next couple classes, at, at least the next class at the very least, I, I think they're really trying to overhaul that position in general and their current roster. And we'll see what happens with these current guys, but they've had a few guys transfer out too. you know, Jordan Anthony being a guy that, if he had not uh, transferred out, he probably would be in line for uh, some pretty significant snaps this season. And it's really going to be a big problem if they don't address that uh, here in this cycle and the next cycle here. So, yeah, I mean, they've got one guy currently committed, Aaron Alexander, uh, at that inside linebacker position. And he's more of that Mike Barrett type linebacker um, build, 6'1", 205, that you were referring to, Stephen. Uh, you could probably argue that Micah Pollard might be able to play inside, but I don't think that's what they want him to do. I think he was recruited for that edge spot outside linebacker role uh, like Cavante Henry is as well. I think that's what they recruited him for. And I think that's what they want him to do. But in a pinch, I, I guess you could probably line him up inside, but I, that's like a last resort kind of thing. That That's one of those things that, you just once you get there and you, you know, you'll cross that bridge when you get there. And I, I think ideally they'd be looking for at least one more inside linebacker to round out this class and Spurlock, I would imagine is, is that guy. Um, John, any final thoughts on this before we move on? No, nope, I think we're good. Okay. We will take a break and uh, we'll come back on the other side and kind of talk about the state of recruiting and uh, uh, in regards to some of the other Big Ten schools that are, uh, I guess I'll just put it flat out here, just recruiting better at this moment. So we'll talk about that next. But first, let's talk about our sponsor here on Maze and Brew Podcast, and that is Homefield Apparel, which is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. And not only is their stuff comfortable, but it is officially licensed gear. So they do not screw around when it comes to their designs and the team over there at home field, they study every school's history, traditions, legacies. And with all of that, they create their thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. So from t-shirts to crew necks, they've got some really Awesome, original Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else. So if you want some of that vintage apparel, then look no further than Homefield and use that promo code MNB to get 20% off the entirety of your first order. If you have not used that already, we've been telling you for months to use that. So uh, don't try it again if you've already done it. But if you have not, again, promo code MNB at checkout, you'll get 20% off your entire first order. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com today. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We're going to wrap up our podcast today. Kind of a uh, an inspired segment by our uh, fearless leader here, Anthony Broom. And, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to build up our podcast here at Maze and Brew. And he, he put out a podcast uh, on Monday, kind of just going through some viewer questions uh, that you guys were uh, so grateful and, you know, we're grateful that you guys were able to submit those questions to us. He he took a question kind of just asking about the state of recruiting for Michigan and if, if there's any concern with the uh, state of recruiting here, uh, it, kind of now that we're just, we're obviously more than halfway through this 22 cycle. And, you know, in my opinion, guys, there are a lot of decent players in this class, but there aren't a whole lot of exceptional players. And I think you're seeing a lot of exceptional players in some of these other classes, even within the big 10. Obviously Ohio state is a recruiting juggernaut, even though they did lose a five-star commit today. uh, Jaheim Singletary, the five-star cornerback, he decommitted. So that's always great news, but they still do have a five-star linebacker, CJ Hicks, and they've got several other top 100 players uh, in their class alone, uh, including Caleb Brown, former uh, Michigan target there at the wide receiver position. And uh, Penn State has been recruiting out of their minds. They now own the number one class in all of the country and number one, obviously, in the Big Ten with that. They don't have any five-star players, but they have a ton of four-star players. And I, honestly, I, I like Penn State's class a lot. They are they're building something really nice. They've got a solid quarterback. Uh, in Drew Allar, who is a, a former Michigan target as well from the state of Ohio. Uh, their skill players are very nice. Nicholas Singleta- uh, Singleton, uh, I, I think he is a very good prospect. Caden Saunders at wide receiver is a very good prospect. And they've got a couple uh, solid uh, offensive line prospects as well. So something really nice over there at Penn State. And uh, even Michigan State, they, they're starting to build a pretty solid class here under Mel Tucker. I I hate to say that, but that's what's happening over in East Lansing. Obviously, Alex Van Sumeren was kind of 
bound for East Lansing ever since he decommitted and his brother Ben transferred from Michigan uh, to Michigan State. And then they picked up a uh, pretty big commitment for them, honestly, uh, pretty recently in Antonio Gates Jr., the in-state wide receiver, the son of uh, uh, Hall of Fame tight end Antonio Gates. And uh, John, let's just talk about him for just a quick sec, John, Antonio Gates Jr. I'm not sure why Michigan never recruited him, but I just think for like the NIL purposes and for branding, I think that would have been a really, really good thing for Michigan to go after is is him specifically. And he's an in-state kid. He's a four-star player. And we talked about wide receiver in the last segment. They're kind of looking for another wide receiver. So why not go after him? But, you know, let's hone in on him just for a sec, John, but then just you know, want to get your take on Michigan's class compared to all these other schools as well. Yeah. I mean, Gates Jr. Probably. Uh, I feel like in this class specifically, Michigan, I think would be well off going after him. Um, but, you know, I do think it's telling that he didn't get any other interest from the other big schools in the Midwest either. Like Ohio State and Notre Dame didn't offer him. Uh, Penn State offered him, but never really uh, pushed for him at all. So I think, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, You know, I like him athletically. I think he's a good prospect, but I think something's holding these schools back. So I think Michigan just shares the opinion of those schools. So, um, you know, I think if everything is good um, off the field, I think he would be a good addition if Michigan wanted him. But, you know, something's going on that – uh, the other schools didn't pursue either. Um, but, you know, I, I still think Michigan State has a big gap to catch up talent-wise. Um, you know, they always shrink it when they play Michigan, but I, I don't. I think their class still has a little ways to go. Um, Penn State is doing really well. They had a pretty bad year uh, last year during 21. Um, you know, I think they took a lot of transfers and focused a lot of effort into this class. They kind of just punted late. Uh, in the cycle there for 21. So I think it's paying off for them now. They do have 24 commits, which I think is the most in the country. Um, Has to be. Yeah. yeah, Because their average rating is about 90, 47, which is about uh, what you can expect from the Jim Harbaugh recruiting class. So I think, you know, once other schools start to catch up and get their commits into, I think they'll naturally just kind of fall down to that seven to 10 range that Michigan's usually in. So it's going to be a good class. It's a little bit higher than they've been recruiting before. So I think uh, they're doing a better job than usual. And then, yeah, Ohio State's just crushing it like usual. They did technically lose two five stars in their class because Quinn Ewers reclassified and Singletary is decommitted. So um, they dropped out all the way down to three, but you know, they're just recruiting laps around everyone in the big 10. Usually, um, you know, I just like to see that Michigan's setting out official offer to Jaheim Singletary, the quarterback, and a lot of the recruits and coaches are engaging with it on social media, but I'm not going to get my hopes up with that at all. Unless he has some really bad blood with Ohio state and wants to spite them as much as possible. I think you just may have said the most first world recruiting problem for Ohio state ever. And that's that they fell all the way down to three. (laughs) They fell two whole spots or one whole spot or whatever it was to number three overall in the country. And I uh, think they have the highest average player rating. I haven't looked for sure, but if not, it's pretty close, which is, you know, pretty bonkers to lose the top yeah. player in the country and another five star and still have, Oh, I think Alabama's ahead. It's yeah. So, it's it, they're in second right now. They got 93.98 for their 
uh, average ranking. Alabama's 94.17. So, I mean, just decimals right there um, separating them. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're still going to have a, a loaded class regardless of whether uh, Quinn Ewers or, or uh, Singletary were a part of it or not. Um, yeah, solid class for Penn State, solid class for Ohio State. And I agree. I do think MSU has some work to do, but I, I think where they're headed, I, I do like a few of their other three-star prospects in their class. I like their QB, uh, Kaden Hauser. I think he's a pretty solid uh, prospect there. And, and they do have some some other solid three-stars as well, um, as Michigan does too. So, Stephen, I'll turn it over to you for uh, your reaction on this and where you think the state of – uh, recruiting for Michigan is compared to uh, these other programs. Are you as concerned as uh, some of the other viewers that had uh, uh, sent in the uh, question to uh, Anthony's podcast earlier this week? Yeah, I think it's, I'm paying more attention, I think, to Penn State than Ohio State when you have the most recent success in the past decade that Ohio State has had. Um, it's hard not to recruit that well. So that's kind of just a, a known commodity at this point. When you look at Penn State, they're a program I look uh, very similarly to Michigan. So when they're pulling a class that's currently number one in 2022, that raises more eyebrows and, and yeah. I think requires a little bit more digging. It's interesting this year, looking at their 2022 class, eight of the top 10 recruits in that class are offensive uh, recruits. Um, and four of those are wide receivers. And one of them is a tight end. So whoever's doing their um offensive recruiting, but especially their wide receiver and tight end recruiting are, are really killing the game. It's, it's interesting though, that um, three of the playmakers, uh, Mackay Flowers, Anthony Ivy, and Nicholas Singleton, they're um, all within the top 150, or I'm sorry, top 200, and they're all from Pennsylvania. So it's clear that they have a, a really strong in-state class uh, this year with their uh, top offensive tackle also uh, from Pennsylvania as well in the top 150 players. So I think this might be an anomalous year where their, uh, their in-state recruiting is extremely strong. They have a really strong class, but they're also doing well in Ohio, which I think they have quite a bit of an advantage over um, Michigan, where a lot of those guys probably don't have a favorable um, mindset towards Michigan. So I think that's probably a big difference maker where, where Penn state's able to make mm -hmm. some inroads better with some of those like second tier uh, Ohio players or ones that Michigan uh, may not feel worth going out to. And then the final thing I'll say about Michigan state, they still have a lot of ground to cover with both Antonio Gates jr. And uh, Alex Van Sumer. And those are kind of one-offs to me. It doesn't really speak to a trend just because you have the legacy with Gates jr. Um, you have Van Sumeren's brother transferred uh, to the Spartans and some kind of bad blood seemingly with the Michigan staff. So yeah. while those are really good players, it's really important to consider uh, is this emblematic of a future trend or do these guys have some sort of history either with the program or with the comp competition of Michigan state when it comes to those recruitments. And I think they fall into that ladder where they're more uh, special circumstances and not necessarily a trend that I would expect to continue. Boys, I certainly appreciate you hopping on as always. And uh, listeners, I do appreciate you as well. Thanks for uh, stopping by and listening to Future Brew here. Um, are greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll be back next week with more. You can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where are you at, buddy? At Simmons underscore John. And Steven. 
at Stephen Toski. Follow Maze and Brew on all your favorite social media platforms. We're on them all pretty much. And uh, give Steven's YouTube channel, Maze and Brew, uh, go subscribe, like all those videos. We greatly appreciate that support. Give all our podcasts five stars and uh, subscribe to all our podcasts as well. We'd appreciate it. We will be back next week with more Michigan recruiting. Until then, go blue.